0: Find out why talks to David Sullivan, the founding executive director of the Digital Trust and Safety Partnership, an experienced human rights and technology policy practitioner who brings together unlikely allies to solve global challenges related to rights, security and democracy in the digital age. Most recently, David served as Program Director at the Global Network Initiative to protect and advance freedom of expression and privacy rights online. He has published extensively on technology, security, and human rights. Based in Boulder, Colorado, he is a Humanity in Action Senior Fellow and serves on the advisory board of the Silicon Flatirons Research Center at the University of Colorado Law School. We started this interview by asking David, what is the mission and the vision of the Digital Trust and Safety Partnership?
1: Uh, So the Digital Trust and Safety Partnership um, is a new initiative really focused on promoting a safer and more trustworthy Internet. Um, As you and your listeners know, uh, digital products really provide all sorts of invaluable services to millions, uh, if not billions of people around the world, um, helping them to stay connected, grow businesses, uh, share their voice, Um, but uh, like any useful tool, um, they can be misused and abused for all sorts of harmful purposes. So within technology companies, um, there are teams that have been focused on these trust and safety issues for many years um, with dedicated professionals who are really trying to take on some of the toughest areas of the internet um, to help keep people safer. What our partnership is doing is bringing together uh, companies with very different services and business models um, to uh, develop use and promote industry best practices for this trust and safety field. Um, so our, uh, we launched in February of 2021, uh, and I came on board in August uh, of last year. Uh, And we now have um, 13 companies. Uh, We have all kinds of different business practices from uh, messaging services and social media to uh, e-commerce and um, subscription services. Uh, And all of these companies are coming together around best practices that we're going to then review through a process of internal and ultimately third-party assessments um, to give people assurance Uh, that companies are using these best practices and that they're making a difference. Uh, And throughout all of this, we're really seeking keep input and to collaborate with others um, from government, law enforcement, advocacy organizations, uh, and others.
2: That is actually very interesting um, because I was wondering what was the reaction uh, from civil society, policymakers, um, and other stakeholders um, to your efforts?
1: So I've been really pleased with um, quite a lot of interest uh, from those stakeholders in what we're doing. Um, We've held um, uh, conversations Uh, with uh, people all around the world, um, from Asia Pacific to uh, Europe and Africa and Latin America. Uh, And um, so I think there's a great deal of interest in what we're doing. um, And we've received some really useful feedback uh, on this uh, framework of best practices that we have uh, and this process of assessments. Um, I I think people recognize the challenge um, that these are really tough issues. uh, And uh, to bring so many uh, companies together around them uh, is uh, is not easy, um, but I think the level of interest in what we're doing has been very encouraging.
2: Here in Europe, we are mostly familiar with the term cybersecurity as an interesting practice of protecting digital assets from hackers. Um, I wonder how digital trust and safety is different.
1: Sure. So um, fundamentally, I think cybersecurity is often thought of as uh, being about protecting networks and programs and systems and trust and safety is really about uh, protecting people um, and in in particular uh, preventing and responding to the misuse of digital services for illegal or dangerous purposes. Um, I think uh, this is often thought of as content moderation um, but it's really a more holistic process than just moderating pieces of content and uh, the best practices that we have really um, fall across five commitments um, that uh, that run from uh, including trust and safety issues in product development to governance, the rules or guidelines for a service, enforcing those rules, um, improving over time and being transparent with the public. Um, Now where cybersecurity, I think, and trust and safety uh, where there are similarities is uh, we're really, I think, inspired by the trajectory of growth and maturation of the cybersecurity field. You know, if you if you think back, um, you know, challenges like viruses and criminal hacking um, quickly followed the uh, invention of computers and the internet. Uh, And as these threats developed, um, the companies uh, that were, um, you know, providing services on the internet had to start thinking about cybersecurity and building teams focused on security. Um, And today, uh, cybersecurity is a really well-developed field where it's one of the first things you you have to think about when starting not just a new technology company, um, but almost any kind of company. Uh, And it's really baked in uh, with processes and procedures to follow from day one, where professionals have frameworks and standards and audits um, to help them manage their cybersecurity risks. Um, So at DTSP, we're really trying to take the lead on a similar process for all of these issues around trust and safety, around content and conduct online, to develop practices and assessments that have been really been crucial to um, maturing and formalizing um, other uh, tech disciplines like cybersecurity.
2: Uh, I really like the idea that um, we're thinking of trust and safety uh, with a human in uh, mind, human, human centered approach. And I wonder if um, mental health is part of the equation when when thinking of those processes.
1: Absolutely. Um, so uh, our approach um, uh, that I think is a little bit different from um, some of the many other initiatives in the field of trust and safety, content moderation, content regulation, um, is that we want to have practices that companies can use um, to address all different kinds of what we call content and conduct risks. Um, Some of those may very well touch upon uh, mental health issues. Um, So our approach is to be agnostic to the particular type of content, um, so that companies can handle all sorts of challenges, but that absolutely, um, is a big part of it.
2: Um, with your background with, uh, GNI and, and big tech companies like Apple, Microsoft, uh, Google, et cetera, uh, what process have you witnessed changing?
1: So, um, Especially uh, in the past decade that I've been working on these digital policy issues, um, first at the Global Network Initiative and now at the Digital Trust and Safety Partnership, um, I think I've seen a real enormous change in the level of transparency about how companies are tackling these issues. Um, When I started at the Global Network Initiative, um, I think the vast majority of what companies were doing to address trust and safety, uh, whether it was in terms of law enforcement requests, um, content removal, um, or enforcing their own community standards in terms of service. um, All of this was quite secret. Um, And I think that's maybe for a couple reasons. Uh, You know, these are sensitive topics. Uh, that really uh, impact on real people's um, safety and security, uh, and uh, also, you know, these companies are, are may not have been acc- accustomed to sh- to sharing this kind of information. Um, that's changed dramatically um, now. You know, you go to any uh, of our member companies, uh, and uh, and many others throughout the field, and you can really see that they're publishing. Extensive transparency reports and are engaging with all sorts of outside experts. That's not to say there isn't more to be done. Uh, There always is. Um, But I do think that there's been an important change. And this was one of the reasons when I learned about the Digital Trust and Safety Partnership, um, I was excited to to be part of what they were doing. Um, So, you know, while I think, especially dealing with these challenges, you know, whether it's things like child sexual abuse material, terrorist use of the internet, um, all sorts of really challenging issues, um, and and dealing with them at the scale of billions of people using these services is a challenge, again, with always more work to be done. I do think that companies that have made uh, public commitments to these kinds of collaborative initiatives and partnerships um, are making a difference. Uh, And I do think that there is um, a lot of action happening in this world of trust and safety, um a lot of complementary initiatives underway um, that we're working with and talking to. For example, um, the World Economic Forum has a global digital safety coalition uh, that we're involved with, Um, and there's groups like the Trust and Safety Professional Association who are creating a professional society for the individuals working on trust and safety um, that are really helping to, to, again, advance this field, not just in big tech uh, companies, but in all sorts of of providers of digital services, including maybe the companies that that are going to be the big tech companies of tomorrow.
2: Interesting. In your experience, um, in the realm of uh, disinformation, does uh, deplatforming work?
1: So um, I think when it comes to these issues, especially on on disinformation, which I think is always a very fraught and contested area, um, but more broadly across all the kinds of um, content risks, uh, we often you know, sort of uh, oversimplify this to binary decisions about whether a certain account should be deplatformed or not. Um, and of course, companies are are facing competing pressures all the time, you know, to, to remove content that might incite violence or hatred, um, but also pressures to keep up content that someone might consider to be uh, democratically important. And um, I think that Beyond that binary up or down, you know, keep it up or take it down decision, um, there's just uh, a many, many more means that companies have at their disposal to uh, enforce the rules uh, of the service uh, and to deal with these types of challenging content. You know, you have things like user tools so that users themselves can block certain content or mute certain content. Um, You have ways that signals um, from users can be used to downrank or uprank content so that it gets less attention. There's removing content that violates um, the terms of service uh, or community guidelines. There are uh, warnings uh, that can come up before you view certain types of controversial content, maybe violent content. And of course, there's all sorts of labels and fact checking that can add additional context. Um, so, whether and how a company should deploy, you know uh, these different types of tools is really going to depend on the specific type of content. Um but um I think, You know, and that's going to be easier in some cases and harder in other cases. And I think sometimes the cases that get the most attention um, are the easiest ones uh, as opposed to the hardest ones. Um, But I think within uh, the Digital Trust and Safety Partnership, our focus is really on um, practices and processes um, that are going to improve companies' performance and ability to manage these risks on the whole, as opposed to whether or not Taking a decision to you know suspend a certain user um, was right or
2: wrong um, how do you see the indexes for certificates and accreditation of digital trust and safety developing or changing over time?
1: Yeah, so this is really I think um, we're at the very beginning of a process here um, our goal is uh, to um, create a process of independent third-party objective, you know, measurable um, uh, assessment of how companies are using our processes. Uh, and so I think that kind of initiative um, can give assurance to users um, that companies are taking uh, trust and safety seriously. Um, but we're just at the beginning of trying to think about what that process is going to look like. And we're going to seek input from Uh, other folks within the industry, um, user and consumer advocates, government, policymakers, law enforcement, academic experts, um, to help us shape that process uh, and ultimately then have something that really meets the needs um, of of people who care about these issues.
2: Which leads me to my next question. What uh, do you think um, uh, about the Digital Services Act?
1: Yeah. So the Digital Services Act, um, let me just start by saying you know, that the mission of the partnership is really about the development and promotion of our best practices. So our mission really isn't centered around legislative advocacy, um, but we do want to be a resource for policymakers uh, and a source of public education about these best practices. Uh, and what I would say here is that I think Um, You know, the companies that we work with recognize that sort of fostering a safety by design approach to services um, is really important. Uh, And I do think that they take that responsibility and the values that drive that seriously. Um, So they're not waiting uh, to uh, comply with regulations in the Digital Services Act that aren't going to come into force for a while yet, but I think are working proactively together in our partnership and through other efforts to think about how um, best uh, to tackle these kinds of issues. Um, So our efforts are not really, you know, in lieu of um, regulations, uh, like what is going to come in the Digital Services Act, but the idea is to supplement and complement those uh, and really help companies anticipate and mitigate these kinds of risks. Um, So while we, uh, uh, or at least I have not yet Seen the final text of the Digital Services Act at this uh, at this moment, uh, I think you know we do recognize that there's some provisions in there, especially around risk assessment and mitigate mitigation um, around audits and around industry codes of practice, where the experience and expertise of our partnership is going to be relevant and part of a conversation um, with regulators in Brussels uh, and elsewhere. Um, And we've been speaking to policymakers as part of our process, talking to folks in uh, the EU, um, in the US, the UK, Australia and and other countries um, to inform them about what we're doing and to be a resource for them. Um, The the other thing that I would say that I think is really important when it comes to um, government efforts and legislation and regulation in this space is the importance of leading by example um, and to ensure that internet regulations uh, that are crafted um, are done so that they don't inadvertently maybe provide justification for more authoritarian or repressive governments um, to use similar regulations um, to to go after uh, users and to infringe on people's rights.
2: Um, Seeing how companies try to integrate Trust and safety. Uh, What can you say about the process that they had to change? What what surprised you?
1: So um, as somebody who's been working with companies um, on these issues, but not working for companies, um, I, I think the thing that has surprised me the most Um, is that there is a lot of humility. Uh, 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 When you talk to the people who are uh, inside companies working on these kind of trust and safety and content moderation challenges uh, and and doing this work, you wouldn't expect it necessarily from some of the largest and most technologically advanced companies in the world. Um, But I think the people working on these things actually realize that they don't have all the answers um, and that the processes and technology that they use Um, for trust and safety are all works in practice uh, and there's a lot more work to be done. I also think that those teams um, who are working on these issues are actually much more open to collaboration uh, with interested groups and perspectives and experts um, than some folks on the outside might think. But um, I think they're looking for feedback that recognizes how these um, uh, issues and how these teams actually work in practice, which has not been well understood outside of the industry. And so I think that's where our role uh, at the partnership comes in. Um, So as we uh, develop and publish state of the industry reports based on the assessments that our company members are doing of their practices, uh, and that as we share information, not about what specific companies are doing, but uh, but about trends uh, and about findings across the industry and where things are more mature, where things are less mature, and how things can improve, I think that hopefully um, will help Uh, shape uh, people's understanding of how trust and safety works and provide um, more constructive avenues um, for folks outside of companies um, to engage with folks inside of companies um, to hopefully make users experience of the internet uh, and of digital services um, safer and more trustworthy.
2: Um, What can we expect from the digital trust and safety partnership in the future?
1: So um, as I um, uh, had mentioned earlier, uh, our company members are conducting uh, internal assessments of their use of our best practices. And based on those assessments, uh, we're going to publish an inaugural state of the industry report um, that gathers insights from across our company members and shares industry findings about trust and safety. Um, And we're going to use that as the basis for conversations with policymakers and NGOs and others interested in this work um, all around the world. And at the same time, we're gonna move forward with developing this third party independent assessment process to give users more assurance um, about how these issues are being handled.
2: That's a great way to, uh, and a great message uh, to end our interview today. Uh, David Salvin, uh, Director of Digital Trust and Safety Partnership. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I'm Elena Giola for Find Out Why.